Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Warning, this podcast contains minor spoilers for a bunch of projects from the MCU, including, uh, and most uh, pertinently, lots of stuff from Phase 4, including Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, WandaVision, etc., and lots of theories for Phases 5, 6, and beyond. You're about to hear a live episode recorded at L.A. Comic-Con on December 3rd featuring the great Rosie Knight, the great Cody Ziegler, and the great Joelle Monique. Hello, my name is Jason Concepcion, and welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Podcast, where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture today, live from the, the beautiful... The gorgeous. The gorgeous Los Angeles Convention Center. I've never seen anything like it, folks. The eyes have never beheld. <laughs> Such a paradise as this. In front of cosplayers everywhere. It's beautiful. In front of a live studio audience. Woo! Uh, yeah. Yeah. Joined by some of our most wonderful friends, we will be discussing uh, Marvel's Phase Four, some of our favorite things from 2022. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Punk, all that kind of stuff joining us today. Of course, the comics encyclopedia, the number one Eternals lover, Rosie Knight. Uh, Special guests, host and executive producer for iHeart Podcast, Joelle Monique. Hi, everybody. And MCU Superfan. Oh, yes, 100%. And superstar of stage and screen and gauge. He's got to leave us to go to the Futurama panel. Uh, He's writing for Futurama. He's written for She-Hulk. He's written uh, Spider-Punk in Marvel Comics. Miles Morales, (laughs) Spider-Man in your comic shop this Wednesday. (laughs) Cody Cody Zigzig. Thank you. It's always fun to be back. Uh, well, let's start there since we only have you for a limited time only. <laughs> what can you tell us? It's been just, just such an incredible year for you, Zig. It's been the weirdest year ever for me. Uh, everything that I wanted to do, I've been somehow weaseled the universe and let me do that. So uh, thankful to whatever powers are out there. Uh, yeah, um, you know, she always like my first like big, big job. And um, part of that room, there's this dude named Zeb Wells who was like the number two in the room. And we were, were very much so like... The two MCU nerds who would yell at them about, what if they used uh, the Wrecking Crew? Or what if they used whatever? <laughs> and um, when I was, when they were pitching the Daredevil, the Daredevil episode, which is the episode that I wrote, um, they're like, how do his powers work within the confines of like the MCU? Because they, they, they had the TV show and they had the movie. And I just happened to have a Daredevil comic book in my backpack. And I pulled it out to the exact page where he's using his powers. And they're all like, fucking calm down, dude. Um, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> we appreciate your, your enthusiasm, but you really need to chill. And afterwards, uh, Zeb was like, all right, this guy is one of our own. So he got me into writing comic books. And I was like, I got to write Miles Morales. That's the, that's the dude. Because I remember when I saw him as a kid, 
kid. I was like fucking 22. I was like, <laughs> that's I was like, a oh, child. Yeah. That's a child. Yeah. 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 I wasn't matured yet. I was like, oh, wow, this is what it feels like. This is so powerful and so cool. And like, I was lucky enough to get the Miles book. Um, and, you know, I was all about like, you know, Miles has done a lot. He's been to multiple universes multiple times. He's had his original universe eaten by a giant spaceman. So I was like, let's make it a little bit simpler. Let's like make it back to like a basics, back to um, a street level type dude. Um, and also a really powerful thing that um, Saladin, the previous writer, did is that he really did a really great job of surrounding Miles with a bunch of really powerful black women. Mm-hmm. His mom and, 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 and Tiana. Uh, and I was like, well, we have like his home life and sort of his love life covered. Like um, Peter's always been there for him, different versions of Peter, but it'd be really cool to have that. Um, also covered in like his superhero life, so I was like, "Can I just like team up with like Misty Knight?" And they're like, "Yeah, of course, oh I, no God. one would do that." So like, <laughs> the dream. Yeah, like so I, I love I love Misty. Like I love exploitation films. Like nothing was more fun to me than like Miles being like his little exploitation films with with, with Misty, and um, they've been really really receptive of what I've been pitching and what I've been trying to do. And um, I, I I I I cannot stress enough how weird and surreal it is to be like, oh, I'm having a Miles Morales Spider Man release with my name. It's very weird. <laughs> Very weird place to be in, but very, very cool to be here. Yeah, and that's not like the first sort of sick team up you've gotten to do because Spider Punk was very much about like putting the band together and mm-hmm. creating this really rad, like diverse team of just badass heroes. So could you speak a little bit about that? Because that book, you know, it's one of my favorite things <laughs> of the year. It's it's so good. Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at me and see that I was into punk and metal as a kid. <laughs> really? You can see it, but I have a bunch of tattoos as well. Uh, and they were like, hey, uh, we have uh, a spider book about spider punk. Would you be into that? I was like, course a black black spider punk kid of course i'm into that and i was like well what, what else has he been in besides like dan slot's thing and they're like well not really much so you can basically do whatever you want to do so i was like great um, I'm, I'm with that that's dope um i also you know i i a lot of the lot of people who are into punk and like the, the punk scene um uh i feel like traditionally a lot of people are overlooked at how many black people and brown people mm-hmm. were involved in the punk scene particularly like the british punk scene so i was like i want a book with like all black and brown people they're like Dope, do it. Um, and besides, because no one had really written in that world, I was able to add in a bunch of really cool characters. Um, uh, I'm Captain Anarchy. I got to make him an indigenous person. I got to bring in some Latinx folks with um, with uh, with uh, Daredevil, um, Kamala, my, my girl. I love her. It's like, it was really fun. And uh, the artist, Justin Mason, was like, every time that we got an email with him with art, like we would, everyone in the text chain would be like, this is the most fun we've ever had writing a book, most mm-hmm. fun we've ever drawing a book. Most fun we ever had lettering a book. Like everyone yeah. was like so excited. Like, it's Travis is, who did the lettering. Yeah, he's right? fantastic. Like everyone was like, "Oh, we feel like this is the most fun we've had doing any type of discipline in our art." So like, um, I'm glad that people really enjoyed it, and I am excited that you know people are going to like know who Spider Punk is when like the end the Spider Verse movie comes out. So yeah. hopefully people will like, "Oh, this is a whole universe where, like punk characters exist," and like mm-hmm. he's also like a black British punk. Like I'm really excited for that, and. Um, Truly, I could not ask for like a better book to write, like a better team to, to write it. And I just hope that people um, continue to enjoy um, Hobie, Spider-Punk, and, uh, and Miles. It's, uh, it's been, uh, I truly couldn't ask for like a better year to have. Uh, if you like Spider-Punk, then uh, there are lots of Spider-Punk merchandise available now because of oh, Into yeah. the Spider-Verse. So if you want to get some <laughs> Cody-approved Spider-Punk Oh, yeah, the, everything came by me. I was yeah, like, yeah, no, Cody-approved everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, like, um, I... This is just like if you like music, because I obviously I like music. Uh, there, I just made a Spider Punk playlist. So yes. Like, just go to Spotify and look up Spider Punk. It's going to be the only one on there. I can guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the the Rick and Morty to Marvel like pipeline mm-hmm. is that's the thing. Is uh, it's it's quite wide. It's got a lot of bandwidth. There's a lot of pressure. 
have they're pushing the the people through that pipeline. Mm-hmm. Have you? Th- what is it about that program that has managed to create so many Marvel Cinematic Universe creators? Ooh. And do you? You know, I th- I look at all the other people that have come through there. Like, at what point is Zig? Show running a show or <laughs> writing a movie, writing the Miles Morales movie. Uh, yeah, look, in the I would MCU. love nothing more than to write the Miles Morales movie. Uh, <laughs> please, Feige, baby, come to me. You got my email. Feige, send um, him the email. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's sort of two for one. One, uh, who if anyone knows anything about um, Rick and Morty, which I also wrote on, uh, they really hammer home just the idea of a story circle thing. I'm not going to get into it because it's just a very boring writing thing. But like, they really hammer home like how to write myth. So whether it's like Rick going to Banana Planet or it's Luke saying no to the dark side or it's Miles learning that he can wear the mask. Like, I think it's a pretty universal thing when it comes to specifically, like, superhero movies. I think also, like, you really, and when you're in that room, you spend so much time making the best version of the thing. Uh, And sometimes it sucks when you spend weeks and weeks and weeks, like, why does Rick really want to go to Banana Planet? Like, you really (laughs) got Hammer that down. Like, why does Rick want to turn himself into a pickle? And you're, you're like, I don't, I don't know. I just think he wants to do it. It's like, you spend a lot of time like figuring out why you want to do the thing. And I think that that really translates well. Also, you know, it's a show that deals, I think, particularly in Phase Four. Um, you know, there it's an intimate universe. There's like, oh, here's here's Milkshake Morty, here's Clark yeah. Rick, whatever. So like, <laughs> um, one of my favorite bits in um, Loki season one, very very small bit. Um, but it's to me, it's like peak Rick and Morty humor. Is like there's a scene where they're in like that um, nowhere planet or whatever, and like you're panning down to like the Loki base, and you just see in the dirt, you just see like a little Loki in a jar, like just bouncing around yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in the jar. Like, oh, that is 100% a joke that we would pitch out during launch. You know, like, that's so stupid. And then we come back and spend half an hour trying to figure out how to make it work within the actual episode. So like, I love like those little touches. Um, and I, 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 I'm lucky enough to like be on board of like one of those Rick and Morty writers, and I hope that. I can weasel my way into like writing a Miles movie would be dope, or anything with Marvel. Honestly, continue to to, to run that ship into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and before, because we got to, I think that you got to head off soonish. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite thing from twenty twenty two? Oh, but we were just talking about this in the green room. Yeah, there. I I don't know how you guys feel, but. So much stuff has just come out this year. Like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, this came out this year? Um, I'm going to say it now because I just finished playing it, but like God of War Ragnarok has, mm. has really brought me uh, so mm. much joy, uh, as much joy as that, as that very violent game can bring you. Um, I never in my life have been looking up so many words that I cannot pronounce. Um, <laughs> I'm like deep in the lore. Like I want to know about Scofi and Halfi or whatever the thing is. Like yes. I'm so deeply embedded in that in that. Um, in that world, and I think I dedicated as of like last night like 45 hours to it. Wow! Uh, wow. So as someone who doesn't have a lot of time, uh, putting 45 hours into anything is a monument. Uh, <laughs> so like I've been really that brought me a lot of joy this year. Really fun game. Shouts to Fat Thor and Skin yeah, yeah. Shouts to Thick Thor. Yeah, we stand you, King. Um. Well, what can you tell us about? Uh, you're heading off to Futurama. <laughs> yes. Um, is there anything that you can uh, mm. tell us about? What's coming down the highway uh, for Futurama? They explicitly told me no, but they're not here right now. Um, <laughs> well, we tried. So okay. I'll just say uh, um, it is. Uh, uh, there's. We've had like 20 years to like sit on things, so things that were planted 20 years ago uh, can also be called back and then sort of paid Ooh. off. Um, 
and um, there's a lot of uh, like a lot of emotion in, in this mm. these past oh, wow. two seasons, which I guess is nothing new for Futurama. Uh, that's all that I can say before Daddy Disney comes in and hogties me for saying anything. <laughs> well, it is next door, so they can yeah. come through the yeah, truly the busting like the Kool Aid man. Well, I mean, what was that like for you then? Just before you go to get to write on Futurama, because like you said, twenty years, another incredibly like beloved project. And... Uh, dude, I've I've uh, I've been very lucky in that everything I've worked on, I actually watched as a kid or cared mm. about. And not on what I keep to get making stuff that would make twelve year old me super stoked. But like, yeah, when I when I had the meeting, it was just like David X Cohen and 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 Matt and like, the, uh, just we were just we. I think I list off like my top five like Simpsons episodes and my top like ten Simpsons bits. And like at one point he was like, "Oh, this is the guy. We're just gonna hire him." I was like, "Oh, that's all it takes. It's just a, a giant nerd." I spent so many money. You guys don't know. I spent so much money on those DVDs as a kid. Like, I have all those brick, brick DVDs just taking up so much space. I was like, "Oh wow, the those money." Those checks are paying for yeah. the DVDs. Oh yeah, it only took twenty-five years, but yeah, yeah. who would have thought spending ungodly amounts of like time in high school watching The Simpsons on UPN finally paid off? Oh my God, pay out for all of us. Yeah, <laughs> the dream. <laughs> I mean, it is the dream. I guess, you know, in closing, writing is really hard. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not like, fun. it's not fun. Yeah. It's like the hardest, easiest job. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't, like, uh, but when it's good, it, there are moments, and, you know, in, in my experience where you're just like, I, this is cheating. I can't believe they're yeah, paying yeah. me for this. Yeah. Is this my like, job? Yeah. You're like, um, how am I, my, my tax, to, my tasks today are to figure out how Miles is going to beat up the scorpion or whatever. Or like, <laughs> How Bender's gonna get out of this one? Like there could like I used to like watch dishes and like be on set and like mm-hmm. lugging around cameras for fourteen hours sucks so much shit. It's, it's not worst. fun. Yeah. You're tired. You're burnt out. You can't have a life. And now I'm like, oh, I wake up. I literally walk to my kitchen and then I hopefully write a funny episode of TV that people <laughs> hopefully not drag me on Twitter for. Like that's that's my big problem that I have to face. So I'm very lucky and very very blessed. For folks that, that like want to write stories or they're uh, trying to do it. What a, a little piece of advice from Cody Zigzig. Oh, 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 oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. Uh, really, if I could do it, literally, anyone can do it. Like, that's the big, the big, uh, the big uh, headline. Um, I think uh, being a fan of the thing and knowing what your lane is helps a lot. Like, I'm not gonna, I can't write drama. Like, I'm, I'm not a, I don't wanna be bummed out writing a thing. Like, you know, I'm not the guy to come to for, for that. Um, I think also we were in a very um, lucky time creatively where, um, uh, people that are into the stuff that we're into, like, yeah. there's really not a better time to be into like that type of like myth telling, comic books, whatever, superhero stuff, just genre stuff in general. Like, it's, it's like you're never gonna find a better time to like have that happening. So like, that definitely helps. And also like just making things, like whether they're absolute garbage. Like a lot of my stuff is garbage, uh, uh, was garbage, and will probably still not be great. But I think <laughs> if you're not afraid to like fail, like that's the most important thing. Like I fail so much, so often with great temerity and very very loudly. And um, I think we're in a place now where people are like, oh, yeah, you can, yeah, that's, yeah, why would you be good? You just started the thing. Yeah. Like, of course, you're not going to be great. The idea is that you find a mentor. Like, I was very lucky enough to find with Jessica Gao, who was the showrunner mm-hmm. for, for She-Hulk, and someone gives you the shot. That's all you need. Someone give you a shot and not be afraid to fail. Like, that's really, truly all you can ask for, I think, in my very limited experience um, being creative for, for a living. Cody, thanks a lot. And uh, yeah. Thank you. have fun on the Thank you for making panel. time. Thank Thanks for having me. Cody Ziegler. I'm going to go uh, yell about Slurms McKenzie for the next hour. <laughs> Bye, Cody. That was delightful. I, I like that. What I a know. wonderful Cody's human being he is. The best. Let's, let's just keep saying nice things to him. Yeah, as he walks cool away, let's yeah, just keep coming. His writing on She-Hulk was so good. I it was the best. It was incredible. That was the best stuff.
Joelle, how are you? Uh, I'm at Comic-Con. How could I possibly complain amongst my people? Uh, they're <laughs> really, really good about it. And now we get to talk about Marvel things. So I'm, let's I'm pretty talk about Let's talk about Marvel things. Yeah. I'd love to talk about those Marvel things. <laughs> Is there anything on the top, just top of mind? It seems like you can't really log on to the various uh, internets owned by various billionaires without seeing some sort of conversation about comic book stuff, uh, the MCU in general. Is it dying? Is it growing? Oh, yeah. Is it mm. good? Is it bad? Mm. Um, are they finished? <laughs> are they just started? Is it just the beginning? Is it, is where it are the, the X-Men? What's happening? Um, yeah, your thoughts on phase four as we kind of round to a close. Yeah, okay. So, I think I've been hearing since maybe mid-phase two this won't last. People are getting tired of superheroes. <laughs> Who's going to want this later? Uh, I was born in 1989, uh, the year of Batman. Hello. Um, and I haven't stopped loving him since, so I don't think it's ever going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I do think phase four is a transitional period. Yeah, and yeah. therefore, for a lot of the fandom was a challenge. What I think will carry us forward is the fact that you know, the people at Disney were so innovative in how they wanted to present stories to us that it gives us a lot of inspiration for the future. So in phase four, we get Disney Plus and we start getting all these great TV shows. I love WandaVision. I still think it's the bar for me. Um, but I also loved Loki and I loved uh, Ms. Marvel. I thought it was really great. And so we got a lot of like really good things in there. But the game changer is the holiday specials. Yeah, the special Which presentations. absolutely changed how we can introduce characters to the MCU without being, you know, too bogged down in story, right? What, like, love Werewolf by Night for it was like, yeah. here's it was the lore. So good. It should not have <laughs> been was that good. The best. I've seen it like four times. I'll probably watch it again before the end of the year. It's just fun. You immediately feel like you know the characters and you just like love the space and you kind of can't wait to see them pop up like in someone else's like please please make an appearance in blade like i just oh. need to get more of this universe expanded but it was just enough it wasn't too much whereas i felt like moon knight which i liked the majority of it was like it's, it's long and there's so much happening <laughs> and like where are we going with I feel this like a moon knight special presentation could have been really it would really have been amazing effective. it would have been amazing and yeah. like just line it up with like an egyptian holiday that sort of aligns mm -hmm. with this thing and then like Tell it because the other thing is like it's global, so we have a lot of space. I'm waiting on a Valentine's Day special. Uh, well, if okay, anyone okay, writes for Marvel, wait, who's your dream Valentine's Day special? If you could write it. So my dream Valentine's Day special. So Hector Hector Navarro, who some of you may know, the great. We talked about this on our pod the other day, and we came up with two pitches. So one is um, Valkyrie. Trying to, to date as king. Yeah, Valkyrie right? the queen. Like, who doesn't want to see Tessa Thompson in a rom-com? She could totally yeah. carry it. She's Ooh. super funny. Please let her date women, Marvel. It would be really dope to see her, like, trying to balance I love that. being king, which we've seen her sort of struggle with uh, in the past movie. And then also, like, how do I navigate the Earth dating scene? Or does she even date Earth things? Is she staying, like, in her kingdom? Like, I'm really curious to see what that would look like. The other one is we know we're getting close to a Young Avengers storyline. Mm -hmm. Uh, would love to see Wiccan and Hulking, you know, in a in a nice rom-com. Maybe there's a Valentine's Day dance. Maybe I get Storm as a chaperone. And she's, you <laughs> I know, love this. Just making sure the children are staying ruler length apart when they're dancing. Like, I just, 
I think that would be really, I love like a high school dance rom-com sort of situation. I think MCU really prom would be like a really good way to get those teenagers together. I'm just saying. Because then Marvel is like in a, you know, love triangle and she's not sure which boy to go with. And did she pick the right one to go to the dance with? If you've seen Wednesday, please just pick up that storyline. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> really? I love Any it. Any love triangle. It, it, truly, I love mess. Um, so well, yeah, that's what I would love to see. And I, I think to answer your original question, Marvel has really laid the foundation to say, uh, if we go out, it won't be without a bang and having tried really hard to keep your attention, which mm. I can appreciate. I don't think these movies, series are going anywhere. Um, people keep paying for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> also as well, something I think that gets lost in the conversation is like Marvel, DC, you're getting up to like 100 years of publishing for each of them. So there's oh, yeah. always an interest for these stories. It just used to be in comic book format. And now we're in a space where they're way more accessible on TV or as blockbuster film. So the appetite's going to be there, but it's going to ebb and flow like everything. We had Spider-Man. We had the X-Men. Those were the biggest movies in the world that ebbed and flowed. Then you started to get your Fantastic Fours. Then, you know, the MCU changes everything. Now we're getting Morbius. It, it happens. There's going to be quite... <laughs> don't, don't bring your Morb cord in here. <laughs> But um, yeah, like I think that it's it's always going to be cyclical. And the thing that we always say on the pod is like, you can, there's there's one, there's so many things within the superhero universe. Everyone can find something they like if they want to. Werewolf by Night is a great example. But also, if you don't like it, that's also fine. There's like so many other great movies. We did a best of 2022 horror talk on the podcast. You know, me and Joel love all kinds of movies. Like same with Jason. There's all different things. But this is just one of those things we're passionate about. And I think because of that, we can kind of see the audience and the hunger for these stories. And like you said, different stories. We are actually only just tapping into all the different characters, the Young Avengers, having queer characters, having more diverse characters, having characters from all over the world. That is actually just starting like 15 years into the MCU. So I think there's always going to be space for those stories to to keep being told. Uh, Joelle, you said something that... uh, that uh, really resonated with, with me, which is the love of mess. I also love Ooh, mess. Yeah. I love mess so much. And I really feel like <laughs> I really feel like we're heading into the mess era. Oh, Ooh, the MCU yes. is messy. Because, yes. you know, like WandaVision loved it. Mm-hmm. I also think it was, for me, the bar emotionally and in terms of storytelling and how it impacted the wider universe, kind of like the the gold standard for what a Disney Plus show can do. Sure. And it grows out of this a uh, you know legendary iconic relationship of the vision and and the scarlet witch we're now entering a phase of the MCU where you have a lot of characters that are there or are coming that have relationships that have relationships with other characters uh front row here we have uh, <laughs> uh, a young man dressed as namor when when all i know is when sue storm shows up in the MCU yes! With it's the name more that we have, not happening, lady. Folks, it's over for Reed, Reed Richards. Reed Richards is done. <laughs> I mean, not more is it, not going to be. It's going to be a big Let problem. No, 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 but who, no, no, no. To be like, but girl, think about goodbye. which. No, 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 yeah, but, but you have to see the Sue Namor relationship has to happen, which means they just have to cast a Sue Storm who you believe that Namor would fall for. That's the question, and also then you have to cast a Reed who is hot enough that it can be a love triangle. Which we're so I think the mess, WandaVision is a great point actually, yeah, because that is a messy relationship in the comics. You know, we're about to have Wonder Man played by Yaya, you know, and that is unbelievable casting. 
Wonder Man and Scarlet Witch. That is a relationship that happened in the comics. It's kind of it's kind of her husband. It's kind of her husband. You know, husband. And I think we're going to get some really interesting interpretations of how Vision and Wonder Man, Simon Williams connect in the MCU. So I think this is going to be the mess era of the MCU. And in in that way. Phase four was actually quite a good introduction because it I was agree, just a yes. lot of outrageous storylines that can get brought in and brought out. And some of them were quite messy. And and once we get to the X-Men, that's well, just mess city. <laughs> this is actually, this is just the, the mess cinematic universe. The next 10 years is just preparing people Absolute for the mess, mess of the X-Men. universe, <laughs> love that. Uh, you said something really, <laughs> I think really important, which is, man, that read casting is going to be crucial. It has oh, yes. to be crucial. You, it, it, we everybody everybody here has probably seen Wakanda Forever, and if you haven't seen Wakanda Forever, you've seen pictures of Tenoch as Namor. Look, an unbelievable perf- performance just holds your attention every time incredible. he's on the screen. It's incredible. Our best villain since Loki. Let's yeah, be real. Just, he, he's villain. they they managed to do a great job of introducing a character who feels like they can become the heart of that kind of anti-villainous role that that is so key to the MCU and. They also created a Namor who is very attractive. And in that way, I think that casting Reed has to be important because you have to make it believable because otherwise Sue would just leave. Yes. Would just be like... <laughs> There's no, I mean, it's no question. Oh, split custody and... Shuri. Uh, you know, Reed, it's been nice, but... Shuri uh, is literally the strongest person in the MCU that she didn't just join Namor and be like, you're right, let's just burn it all. Like, yes. I there was a moment of flirtation and I was like, is it happening? The chemistry, Tenoch just on? has chemistry with everyone, Listen. so... It's mm-hmm. gonna, who, who is your, who's your dream Reed Richards casting? I was just thinking, okay, this is a challenge, right? Because you don't want... To me, I sort of missed the MCU days when they were like, you virtually don't know this person. Yeah, yeah, the character yeah. Maybe actor. seeing them, yeah, here or there. And I think that would be really crucial to read, especially after we got Office Dude in the <laughs> MCU, who I really like. I loved that casting. I thought it was really fun. I thought he did a great job in the role. I was glad he died, though. That's not the Reed Richards <laughs> okay. I want in the MCU. Damn, I was glad Rosie. he died. Damn. Uh, but yeah, so I think that there's, that would be my my hope would be that we would get a character actor and I'm like scratching my brain trying to figure out like who could fill this role. Okay, what do you think of the one of the biggest fan theory ones that I do think this would be a good love triangle because I think it would put Sue in a in a compromising position. What about <laughs> Raul Cooley? Because that's one of the biggest fan theory. Reed Richards. Oh, castings. he could kill it. Yeah, he could. He could he's got that mix of like arrogance and like yeah. funny and, yeah. and and rude. Yeah. I'm interested to see it. I mean, the weirdest thing is that I think a lot of what we're seeing now in the MCU was meant to be setting up a Fantastic Four movie that was going to come out much sooner. Yeah. So it's very interesting now to be in a space where we don't know who the Fantastic Four are. But speaking of mess and WandaVision, it is Matt Shackman who's in charge. So they probably realized they were like, we need someone who can bring like a divorced couple energy mm-hmm. to yeah. this movie. Like we William need Jackson stuff. Harper. Oh! That's my selection. Well, you know what? William Jackson Harper was just cast oh. in Quantumania. Oh, that's and right. I believe mm. that... Uh, that was my first thought because you have Kang. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is a descendant of uh, Nathaniel Richards, you know, Reed's dad. A lot of people think he's going to be Reed. I think it's more likely that he is going to be Nathaniel Reed's dad. Because I, as my, I want an older Fantastic Four, but I think they're going to go young. I think it's going to be in their 20s. Because they're, they're going to want them to, to hold that for the next. We do have like a really like sly line. Oh gosh, now of course I can't remember which movie. But doesn't Tony at one point 
like make reference to the Fantastic Four and say like, oh, like those guys from the 60s? There's, there's a joke about the, there's lots of jokes about naming conventions in the MCU. Mm. And a lot of them are like, oh, that sounds like a 60s boy band. Oh, that sounds, and I think the general rumor now is what many fans wanted, which was for a long time, I've been talking about it. I think we've talked about it on the podcast, the idea of a fantastic movie that, four movie that begins in the 60s and moves into the, the now. And that seems to be the general idea of what they're doing. So much. there will be a lot of ways to tie that to a start. Marvel does period pieces really well. And I am a sucker for like, you know, let's get into a specific era and really explore it. I really liked um, First Class, X-Men First Class, I thought was really solid. Um, and so, yeah, I could see more of that. I, it was very interesting to see how they're going to bring that Fox universe into the MCU. That I think well, is that I think is the biggest question of how do you meld the world of like the original X Men movies, the, then the second era X Men movies that began with First Class. How do you bring that into the MCU in a way that feels holistic? And as Kevin Feige is a hater of reboots, that doesn't necessarily directly reboot it and just instead creates a a kind of whole world. I have a theory, and it's not its not good. <laughs> and it's very obvious. But I've been reading, and as we've been discussing, I've been reading uh, Axe, Avengers, yes. versus X-Men, versus Eternals, uh, the big crossover event of the last few months in the Marvel Comics. The bottom line is Druig, who is a pretty ominous guy in, in, the, in the MCU version of yeah. the Eternals, uh, is like, you know what? Mutants are deviants. Our whole mission is we've got to take out the deviants. Therefore, we're going to wage war on the X-Men. And a lot of things happen. Reading through it, it ties up a lot of loose ends that currently exist in the the MCU. What's going to happen with the celestial in the middle of the ocean? How do we get it? (laughs) The big question. Which is a huge question. How do we get an an Avengers team back together? Um, What is the relationship between mutants and deviants. Mm -hmm. Turns out they share a lot of the same DNA. I think that, Rosie, no one is better positioned to talk about (laughs) the Eternals. (laughs) I think the the Eternals is our way in. No, I agree. And also, this is one of my number one favorite things. If you've ever listened to the podcast or you've ever had the fortune slash misfortune to meet me and talk about (laughs) comics, Marvel Comics has always, since the since the inception of the MCU, but way before that, including, you know, She-Hulk was created because they were going to potentially introduce She-Hulk on the TV show and stuff. So they've always seeded stuff. And this comic feels to me like they're seeding it. I mean, it's very simple if you think about it. We've all been wondering, where are the X-Men? How can mutants exist, but nobody knows about them? Are mutants going to be a new thing? No, if the Eternals, who have been around for, you know, 6,000 years, like, being sultry all over the world as we saw them in the movie. Um, <laughs> you know, like, just being hot, being just sultry, just being sultry. Yes, through like, all the ages <laughs> of history. Ignoring some very big problems in yeah. the human world, but just going about their business. You know, if they've been around for that long, then that means that the mutants, if the Eternals believe them to be deviants, would have to be in hiding. And that is a really great excuse for the MCU to say, oh, well, Charles, you know, or Gene or who, whichever Omega-level psychic uh, stopped everyone from being able to remember the X-Men, remember that mutants exist, you know? And I think that Kamala could be a huge turning point where someone who was originally, you know, in the comics an inhuman, but was originally supposed to be a mutant who is now a mutant in the MCU, that could be the person, oh, wait, mutants exist and then the Eternals come and there's a big problem and we kind of end up in a situation where we need 
Charles or Storm. I'm a Storm as a head teacher fan, and I think Storm yes. is the way into the X Men that we need. Yes. But I think that that definitely is the way we could be going, especially because the way we have the sagas going now. Phase phase seven, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but it's probably going to be the mutant saga. That seems like it makes the most sense. It should be. It really should be. Because, like, okay, do you guys want to hear my pitch about how MCU needs to Yes, just the answer is yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So I really like when the MCU plays, like, a long game in the background, right? That, to me, is like when you're like, oh. For example, if we could just go back to phase one, where they're like, and here's the shield, and here's the hammer, and here's, like, Nick Fury, and you're like, oh, we're, we're getting there. We're gearing up. Uh, at the end of the Marvels, you know, after Kamala has caused whatever kind of chaos she's about to cause, would love it if a uh, Professor X uh, in my head is Jeffrey Wright. I think he's oh, I casting. love that yeah. casting. Yeah, That's just great. rolls up at the cutscene and is like, "Hey, girl, <laughs> you can't be in regular people high school. Yeah, you need to go there. That's I a school. Uh, it's in New York. Admissions yeah. taken care of. We got you. We'll bust you back and forth yeah, yeah, from yeah. Jersey to New York every day. We play a lot of baseball. <laughs> There's baseball. like a lot of fun stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then from there, like as we're getting more of these kids, you know, most of the kids we have now are not super powered beings, right? I think love is, and that's it. Love, we have we have one division, we have a Wanda's the, the kids, children, children, but we're yeah. not really sure what their status is that yeah. we can imagine. But I think gonna we're going to get more of them going forward, and I would love it if as they're coming forward, like, here's your, like, you know, Hogwarts acceptance letter, but it's yeah. like yeah. from the School for the Mutants. And I just think it would be really cool if I just, what I'm really asking for is a teen teenage show with the, the kids at the that school. That is the, uh, this How is, do we not have a boarding school show Disney of the Marvel Plus, Mutants yet? Disney Plus show just called School for Gifted Youngsters. Is The money is there. Or you just call <laughs> it, you just call it mutants and you just have everyone is about a different kid. I think that you're onto something because I actually think they're already doing that. We have Kamala, yeah. as we talked about on the podcast, Every episode of She-Hulk, shout out Zig, goodbye, we miss you. Um, he, you know, that show introduced mutants all the mm-hmm. time. They might not have been like, this is a mutant. Yeah. But if you read the comics, they're mutants. They're characters who are mutants. I think they're already adding those little bits and bobs in so that when you get to, you know, Marvels, which is looks like it's going to be a really outrageous cosmic thing where Kamala and, and Carol are kind of doing this Rick Jones, Marvel, like yeah. switching. I think something that cosmic could probably get the attention of Charles Xavier, even if he's in hiding, and probably be like, yeah, you, you got to come. Also, Kamala's powers in now are these kind of cosmic, uh, you know, transformational quantum powers. That is an Omega-level power, probably, if you think about it. And then Charles is going to have to draw her in. So I, I love that. And I think... It's really hard because we all love the X-Men so much. As you know, me and Jason will always find a reason to talk about the X-Men. <laughs> Same with Joelle. It's hard to not just want to skip ahead to that, even though we know it's probably not coming. But you know Kang and yes. Jonathan Majors, that's keeping me. I'm, I'm invested for the next era, just mostly because of that. Yeah, I would imagine by the time we get to the big crossovers with the whatever the next version of the Avengers team is, that unites to fight Kang. I I would imagine by then, especially with, you know, we're going to get the high evolutionary and Guardians of yeah. the Galaxy mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. We've already got Namor, who is, you know, mutant. He number is one. The, the first mutant. Um, it, it feels like you have enough. You have enough there under category M, to already have 
either some teams or some, you know, secret teams Mm -hmm. already operating by the time we get to the big crossovers. You don't have to start at the beginning, which is what we've learned from how they drop Spider-Man into the, you know, crossover. It's like, we know these folks. Like, if you really need a refresher of, like, how did the school, you've got two great arcs. Okay, you have like one and a half, like pretty good combination Movie of movies arcs. you can watch and get. An <laughs> and idea. I'm sure they're all going to be on Disney Plus if they're not already. You know, it's not going to be hard for people to yeah. access them. And so then, like, just leaving the door open to be like, oh, hey, the school's been operating quietly for a while uh, because you know we didn't want police to come here and like take over our school. And then sort of allowing those, like, you'll have, like, older teens who are, like, fight-ready. You'll have all of your teachers around. And then you can bring in the really young kids. Yeah, like the 10-year-old child soldiers that Charles Xavier keeps around as the backup. (laughs) To help hone their skills. That's what he's really trying to do. Yeah. (laughs) His own son that he kept locked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case. (laughs) What a good guy, that guy. You know, so, okay, so the thing is that... Great guys. What a man. Don't even, don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. This man's training. He's take, he's going to somebody's house and he's like, your child's a mutant. This is very dangerous for them to live in the human world. Let them come to my school where I have something called the war room where I train them how to go out and kill other mutants. Who he's are, so Star Wars right. and he's really inspired. He's like, this is the way. This yeah. is how yeah. we do. Jedis, they seem like they treat children <laughs> great. Gene, you know that now we, we don't go into people's minds without their consent. You're not doing that, right, Charles? <laughs> I'll follow your lead. And he's like, no, don't worry. Don't, worry. don't, don't look at those mental blocks I put into your brain. Um, so... The one thing that we have coming up, we have Kang, obviously. Yeah. Love Kang. Got the whole of Phase 5. And then we're leading into Secret Wars. So what do you two think <laughs> about the likelihood? Me and Jason have talked a lot about Secret Wars. They're introducing all these secret locations. We know. Yeah. We, we've met them. Taolo, now Talakan. Oh, those two kind of sound kind of similar, yeah. actually. Um, you know, we've got the Veil in Miss Marvel. We have the Eternals, as generally as a secret society. We have all these different spaces where people are going to fight. What? And they can basically do what in the comics was called Battle World, where it was all different yeah. universes brought together, but it will just, well, they already exist in the MCU. How likely do you think it is that the mutants could come into play there in Secret Wars? As the introduction? I, I would imagine that it's all in flux right now. You know, they've left themselves numerous avenues. Like, they've already sprinkled in several mutants, as we've discussed. Um, how do you get to an entire secret society with mm-hmm. an up and running school mm-hmm. and a whole political ideology that exists uh, as a kind of uniting factor across this uh, across this community? Um, I don't know that they know, but yeah. my question with with Secret Wars is twofold. One, is it purely the time runs out kind of mm-hmm. uh, the, you know the result of a time runs out kind of storyline where you have the collapse of all the multiverses that have been introduced uh, over the last phase? Or is it really something like the original Secret Wars, where you just mentioned it, where we have all these secret societies and it's a fight somewhere in Battle World, like a tournament yeah. kind of style thing? Uh, or is it a combination of the two? That is the, that's, the, that's the question I have. And I would not be surprised if they don't, really know which way they're going to they, go. Yet. You know, Feige was talking about how they were having the meeting recently, the 10-year planning meeting oh, and everything. Yeah. So I think that's where that's... I think Secret Wars makes sense because I believe that that was also the first event that had, like, the Avengers and the X-Men and everyone together. And Marvel likes to throw back to that kind of stuff. Sure. So I think that could be a cool thing. But it's like you said, how would it be done? I think you might have to do going to that kind of Days of Future Past style 
era. I think you might have to do something where if you introduce a version of the X-Men, it's like two X-Men who survived the mutant genocide in a different Mm. multiverse and then they come here. Because like you said, otherwise, we talk about this all the time every week. We're like, how do they introduce a world where mutants are hated and feared to the point where the X-Men story becomes relevant? Because that is not something that Because that's the thing you need, right? Because, you know, there's, there's powered people that exist now. They're and running they, around all over they the place. They started in action figures and musicals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and people love them and, and, and are, uh, you know, admire them deeply and are inspired by them. But how, so how do you make it so? And I think they've, they've make been, so. they've been making, yeah, they've been making inroads towards this. How yeah. do you make it so people are like, you know what? Now we don't trust them, especially if yeah. they're born that way. I think the, interestingly, the, Redaction. God, Cody should be here. The redaction. <laughs> Cody, come back. Cody! 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 He can hear us through the walls. <laughs> the redaction of the Sokovia Accords, I think, could come yes. to play a huge part in that because here's this idea of, okay, you saved us and we were all super grateful for that. That was awesome. You huge drop, by the way. Wow. That was just kind of like thrown oh, yeah. in there. And like I, I believe that on our interview, Cody was like, that was something where Jessica was just like, Hey, how about it's like redact the Sokovia Accords? And they were like, like wow. sure. They were like, yeah, no good. problem. Like, that's a huge, huge implication yeah. because, you know, it ultimately frees every superpowered being or person who wants to put on a suit to go out and do whatever they want to. And essentially, you've sort of legalized vigilanteism. Well, I also sense. think it frees up the space to do a real mutant registration storyline because the, the version part. we saw in Civil War is very like Tony based, very grounded in the MCU very still messed up the idea of having to register people because of powers or anything. But I think that you're right. It it, it opens up the floodgates, not just in the world of the MCU, but also narratively. Wakanda forever um, as well. It's quite clear that the Contessa is putting together, as we've said on the pod, the superhero team that just follows orders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is, that won't go rogue, that won't go, I don't know about this because a lot of people are going to die. We're not going to do that. They want the team that will just go in there and do whatever she orders them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is going to be a step towards this kind of, whether it's mutant registration or a conflict between the official government heroes and the more off the books heroes like mutants if they if they introduce them. I think it's it's set up pretty well coming off of Wakanda. Yeah, I think you're right because also I think it's a really interesting two-way street between the notion of the militarization of superheroes, which is kind of ironic because the MCU superheroes are really militarized already, but but a more obvious, like, right. official militarization. And then the arrival of Namor. Um, and that is, that's going to spread that a man with winged feet Hold flooded on. a sovereign nation state. And that is going to make people freak out and start thinking, oh, is, the, is he a mutant? What's a mutant? The way the Earthlings have to two, be like, <laughs> yeah. we have got to explore these oceans. What is happening <laughs> down there? What is going on down there? Giant things rising from the ground and in secret societies and God knows what else. Like, it's, it, it's interesting. In the um, Guardians of the Galaxy special, I was watching it with my brother, and when the ship came in, you know, a lot of people were sort of critiquing the fear humans had when they saw the spaceship. And they were like, at this point, they've seen so many aliens. Why are they afraid? I'm like, the last time yeah. they saw Do an alien ship Do you remember the Katari invasion? Down, it wasn't good. <laughs> it was terrible, okay? <laughs> it was not good at all. Um, and so I, I really like the idea of not only is there an alien world above them, but also below them. And that sort of stoking mm. the fear of like, we need to get some control over this. And it'll also be interesting, you know, once the um, Secret Wars plays out, like how secret does that stay at the 
end of the show. Yeah, what is the outcome of Secret Wars? Is Secret Wars going to make everything one universe again? Is it going to be a situation where we have multiple different kind of universes? That's probably very uh, intrinsically connected to whatever DC decides to do, I think. Yeah. Because I think oh. like that, I think, the com- <laughs> I think the competitive nature of them will be like, well, does it make sense for us to just have one universe? Or wait a minute, after Secret Wars, we have an animated universe, we have a TV universe, we have a movie universe, but they're all kind that. of connected. So <laughs> yeah, I think that... I think that it will be interesting to see. And obviously we have another secret coming first, which is Secret Invasion, where we're going to get into the scrolls. So, I mean, there's all kinds of secrets going uh, on. You mentioned the, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, so we should mm-hmm. ask uh, the implications of Mantis and, and Peter being revealed as siblings. Yes. Yeah. I like that was like a, Dude. I was like, wait, what? Why have you that never talked so about fast. this? I'm You're reading, just going to talk about this now? I'm what? reading like every single <laughs> comic book and I'm like, this isn't, this <laughs> never existed. Like, <laughs> what? I, I do love that how the TV stuff, it seems like there's a lot more freedom to, to introduce canon ideas yeah. that mm-hmm. maybe are a little bit more out there than the movies. Uh, the implications of that, I think, are huge because it means we already knew Mantis was very powerful, but she's now immensely powerful. One of the mm. only children of Ego who survived his genocide of his own children. Uh, very, very tough. <laughs> And obviously, I think, like, um, James Gunn has always talked about how Mantis is one of his favorite characters, and I didn't really feel that until this special. She really got to come. Like, Tom killed it. And and I I think that we will get to see the centering. We saw this um, in the new trailer, right? The Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailer. (laughs) Chris, uh, our super producer, had made a really good point where he was basically saying... Oh, no, I think it was Saul, actually, who was telling us that, like, Rocket is a really another fan favorite character of James Gunn's. And so I think that that we're going to see Mantis and Rocket becoming more to the fore than Peter Quill. I think that this puts Mantis on equal footing with Peter and we'll kind of squish Star-Lord away, especially now that we've had the best version of Star-Lord, which was T'Challa Star-Lord. I need to, I need no, to see... Star-Lord no one, else, no oh one wants God. to see other Star-Lord. So I need cool. to see how many movies uh, Chris Pratt has left on his contract, but I think that you're right. Right? I, 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 well, Guardians of the Galaxy is allegedly the close of this right. era of the team. And like every team, there's many different iterations. So, And so we should ask, now that we've mentioned uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, as is, is not only our number one Eternals lover, but our, but our number one Mount Wondergore lover, uh, the high evolutionary. Wow. That's, Couldn't believe it. I, he's I, here. He's here. I love the costume. The new men. He looks they beautiful. Here. The new men here. I mean, that's one of the wildest things about this movie is I I do talk about Mount Wondergore a lot. I love Mount Wondergore. Um, I I actually screamed in the screening of, <laughs> of Multiverse of Madness when they said Mount Wondergore. And then I, I got Wonder like I got like ten different texts from people being like, "That was you, wasn't it? And that was you who screamed. I know that was you." And I was like, "Oh, it was me. Thanks, thanks for seeing me and my passions." But no, I do believe after the end of uh, of Multiverse Madness, Mount Wondergore currently not in a good position for old Herbert to be to be there with the new men. So I think I think what we're seeing in that very cool unexpected trailer is. Uh, Counter Earth, which is where he goes afterwards yeah. with the new men, and I think that obviously what we in the comics, the new men are this—they're um, genetically modified men and animals who the High Evolutionary created in this strange experiment. That's how he got Bova, who raised uh, Scarlet Witch and and her brother in some iterations of the comics. One of my all-time favorite characters, and. Um, I think that that's what we're seeing here. I have to say, I was blown away by how good they look. They look so I, good. I guess I shouldn't really be because good. Rocket exists. 
And well, and I think they're going to connect Rocket it's to in, the new mm-hmm. men. It felt mm-hmm. very clearly like Rocket is going to be like an early the first. Yeah, maybe maybe created on Mount Wondergore yeah. before Herbert oh. had to move out, and also maybe created by Herbert instead of the high. You know, yeah, maybe yeah. it's like it's it's Herbert before the high evolutionary. I'm very interested. I also didn't expect it to look so sad. It looks very. Sad. I was like, if I cry harder here than I did in Wakanda forever, I don't know <laughs> what I'm gonna do. Like I. They're trying to drain you. Just there's that shot of Peter where it looks like he might be looking over someone's like hospital bed and yeah. he's just freaking out. And like you could say many things about Chris Pratt, but when that guy's sad on screen, you're sad in your heart. <laughs> like you're like, no, what's happening? Oh, you're God. like, he can sell being sad. Yeah. I mean, and then what also is interesting about that movie is we get 2014 Gamora in there. And oh, yeah. I'm obsessed with like I love that. Zoe Saldana has been doing these franchises for so long. She knows how to carry an action scene. And I love that they're like just letting her loop right back into being a mercenary and going full out there. And I think it's really cool because it feels like it's not it's not ever that you want movies to like reflect the things that you want or the complaints that fans have. That is a conversation that's always going on. But I love the idea that we can escape out of Gamora being defined by yeah. Peter Quill and yes. her relationship and instead have Gamora on her own defeat. Mm-hmm. Maybe Peter will sacrifice himself for his beloved found family. I wouldn't be sad about it. Like maybe in the movie I would, oh, but not Rocket overall. Rocket is gonna die. That was no. my hard part. I, I'm not prepared for it. I don't want it. But I think given how much they're doing with Groot right now. Mm. And the fact that original Groot sacrifices himself and it's this hard thing and then he raises his son and now his son's kind of of an age where he can be independent and take care of himself. I do think that we're gonna, this is going to be the end of Rocket. Wow, that's some real story circle business right there. (laughs) I mean, when Rocket is freeing and and hugging that otter, Mm -hmm. that is going to be heart-wrenching. Cute uh, animals in love with tragic backstories. I'm did, done. They did. <laughs> yeah, I can't take they this. look so good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see it especially cuz the for me I, I thought the Guardians holiday special is like probably my favorite Guardians thing. I've always found <laughs> oh, it for sure. I've I found it a bit hard to to connect with them in the same way as some of the other MCU stuff, but I'm I'm really excited to see that especially as well cuz we're not even mentioning like look I love the High Evolutionary and I love the new men. <laughs> but really, the biggest thing in that trailer is Adam Warlock. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looked The great. gold boy. The golden boy, Jesus himself. Yeah. Uh, James Gunn's Jesus. He's a Marvel Jesus. <laughs> uh, how do you think they're going to, to utilize Adam Warlock in this? One of the weirdest, if not the yeah. weirdest, in the mix character of Marvel Comics. And also one of the most missing out of the MCU considering the characters that they've used. Yeah. Like Warlock and Thanos are so intrinsically connected yeah. and to not have him in there was always weird. But Thanos was kind of as weird as the MCU could get. So I'm very excited. I'm excited that it looks like they just painted Will Poulter gold. <laughs> yes. but that, I, I yep. respect that. I'm mm-hmm. like, please, I don't need a CG face. Like just not paint him all. gold. I think he is going to be a really big part of the next couple of phases. It makes a lot of sense with things going so cosmic. I'm very interested to me if Adam Warlock is back. I feel like we're back in an Infinity Gems, Infinity Stones scenario. I feel like there's no way that they're not in play, but maybe he's there for the Eternals. Maybe Mm. he's there, you know, he's deeply connected to Star Fox. That's another character. Mm. So there's different ways that they can bring him in. But I was interested to see him beating up Gamora. It seems like I'm assuming at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in the Stinger, I believe, is where he first turned up. And she was like, we'll name him Adam. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing Herbert has raised Adam Warlock. That's kind of what it is. The High Evolutionary's raised Adam Warlock as kind of his 
little bodyguard or something is beating up Gamora and then we'll find out he's actually this immensely powerful you know cosmic being I'm Oof. concerned that they're gonna go a gore the god butcher thing where he has this like epic oh, journey and, and the then it's just like, and and then it's like, like bye just bye a quick snap Woo! but it that would could be, be an, an interesting um larger platform for the Nova Corps to come in which I wouldn't mind we've seen them you know kind sort of, of in the yeah, background yeah yeah yeah, of, yeah. They, they've popped up in every Guardians of the Galaxy movie except in some special. way yeah and and so I, ho- I love Nova Corps. I would I, like I, to I have more Well, I think Nova is a... We were kind of talking about this. I guess oh, we're going to we're gonna run out of time for questions, so we'll stop. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. If you have questions, just Get keep ready. it in mind because we're going to have time <laughs> to do them. Um, that kind of leans in. Who are the biggest people that haven't been introduced yet that you think? I think Nova is one of them. Mm-hmm. And the no, like actual Nova, the hero, Mars Morales. That's Miles, like Miles. the other big... Sadly, with Nova, it's like... <sighs> Nova's at his best when everybody is dead. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Which is kind of what we okay. need from Nova. Like, uh, if they, if they. Maybe if, that's Secret Wars. You yeah, know? if they do that, it'd be, you know, we'd have to watch the Nova Corps basically completely wiped out. And they kind of hint at that survivor. in Guardians, yeah. right? You get a, a hint of that, like, that, that, that a lot of them were destroyed. And But I'm very interested. That's like one of the biggest. One more thing would before be, we. Before we go to questions about the uh, Guardians holiday special. Um. I think one of, obviously, Peter and Mantis's relationship is the most canon-altering thing that happened there. I think the second most canon-altering thing is, like, Drax can't knock out a guy in a GoBot costume. <laughs> <laughs> so Drax, obviously, like, incredibly durable. Like, he can go through space without a space He was getting suit. shot at with, like, right. rifles. He can get, and he can get, like, thrown through a mountain. But he can't one-shot a guy in a GoBot costume. And also, they said, you know, Mantis says GoBots killed his parents. So I'm like, GoBots, GoBots, exist. GoBots are canon. GoBots are real. Maybe that guy was a real GoBot. Maybe that's why he couldn't punch yeah. him out. <laughs> when we're back, more Comic-Con. X-Ray Vision is brought to you by Fume. Be smart. Don't start. Kick the habit, put it out before it puts you out. All phrases we've heard a hundred times before. Yet still we continue to have those bad and nasty habits. Our sponsor, Fume, is on a mission to accelerate humanity's breakup from the bad habits that consume far too many of us. Fume is a natural diffusive device that uses plants and behavioral science to help you trade out your negative habit for a positive one. Fume is not a vape. It's not. It's a non-electric device designed to transform your negative habits. Instead of pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals like a vape, Fume uses cores infused with plants like peppermint and cinnamon for delicious natural flavors. Fume's new version 2 model is snappy and tactile. With an adjustable airflow dial and a magnetic end cap, your fingers will always have something to do. The easy way to stop a bad habit is to switch to a positive one, and Fume is designed perfectly to do just that. It's Fume's goal to make switching easy, even enjoyable. They have thousands of five-star reviews from people just like you who have successfully switched when other solutions just didn't work. Head to tryfume.com and use code X-Ray to save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. The Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors and the new version 2 Fume to help kickstart your positive habits. That's tryfume.com and use code X-Ray to save an additional 10% off your order today. We have a mic somewhere. Uh, if anybody 
has anything on their mind, questions, theories, just anything they want to talk about. Any kind of random, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cap, Come on up. Please. I think we can, I'm like, oh, I wish there was like a stand. Yeah, just mm-hmm. grab it. Yeah. It's casual. It's it's LA Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> Something I was thinking about with this uh, season oh, four. Introduce yourself. Oh, yeah. oh hi, Jeff. <laughs> hi, Jeff. My first Comic Con, actually. Oh, wonderful. Oh, thank hey. you so much for coming. Hey. Oh, hey. hey. Um, something I was thinking about for this uh, this past se- um, phase and for the new phase is the connectivity issue, mm-hmm. uh, where we saw from the snap and the blip, and that that came through in many other yeah. uh, of the uh, new films and even the TV series, and uh, in great ways, WandaVision, and and really seeing a very visceral moment of that yeah. of that blip back, and it really connected us through in that through line. Something that you mentioned about the celestial sitting out there in the ocean. And I feel like that was a real big missed opportunity. Where is it? Who <laughs> is talking up, about just it? Just one line in there somewhere to mention it. It can be comic. It can be visceral. It can be something. And uh, are we going to see a return to that connectivity? I know COVID probably messed up some timelines and some some release dates. Maybe they wanted to shy away from that. But are, are we going to get that connectivity back? She-Hulk did it, but you would have expected more. Yeah, right? she in She-Hulk, there's a, there's a blink and you'll miss it moment on a computer screen where they're yeah. like, What's up with the bigger time? What's, what's up with the big, the big guy in the ocean? But it's not—it's not a verbal thing. And I do think—I think connectivity. Even though I, I love the varied eclecticness of this phase, the connectivity is a big issue because think mm-hmm. about Moon Knight. Yeah. I don't think there's any mention of the blip. I don't think there's mm-hmm. any mention of anything apart from like a bus that goes in the background that's connected to the group in uh, in Falcon the Winter Soldier who yeah. are maybe trying to rehouse people after the blip. I think that. COVID, you probably called it. Because also I don't think all those things were supposed to come out at the same time. You know, this it kind of messed up the outline. I think they know that that is the thing that got fans hooked. The thing like Joel mentioned, you know, this, uh, oh, there's some weird hammer in this desert in Arizona. It's such a pure comics thing. Yeah, it's it's why people love comics. So I definitely think that will be a large part of phase five going forward. And just little things like there's easy ways to do it. You know, there's easy ways to build in Easter eggs and and jokes and nods to the world that makes it feel like one thing. And I think for fans, that's a that's a really big thing. So my gut would say phase five is gonna lean back into that in a in a serious way. We have to revisit it. Uh I look forward to meeting the human cult that formed underneath this guy. I feel like there's no way a group of humans didn't go, oh, that's the future. Or yes. a god. Yeah, so right. you gotta go like worship that thing. Like what's happening? Is it gonna become an Avengers uh headquarters? Like, please, yeah. it's I in mean, the comments. It's a place, it's a great place for the Fantastic Four to be like, let's go oh. do our science over here. Like, what is this? Where did it come that. from? What does it mean? Like, there's just there's too many questions that we have around it for the universe not to hopefully sooner rather than later address it. Because it, it is a giant, like it's, it's literally a, a giant, giant literally a giant man like, in the ocean. A giant, like, what does this mean that there are extraterrestrials terraforming our planet. And mm-hmm. and does that make, again, going back to the Sokovia Accords and how people are going to react to mutants, how much more unsafe do we feel knowing that that was put here and that literally the Earth almost got destroyed? I don't know if people have made that, you know, conclusion yet, but to some extent, again, like, we're going to have to go down there. Also, did it fuck with the Lantians? Like, I need to know, were they, like, what the hell? Yeah, the Telekinese yeah, like, were like, excuse me. Yeah, what is it? Uh, in that... In, in that vein, I think that Secret Invasion is going to be an important mm. project because I think it's going to ramp up 
the paranoia of the people of Earth, the population yeah. of Earth, who've been through oh, multiple invasions now. These people were scrawls, weren't they? Yeah, meant to be like protecting wait a second. Us? And we knew that aliens were coming, but now they're they're already here, and they're potentially like the president or like the secretary mm. of defense or whoever. Probably the new head of the FBI or yeah. the CIA or whoever. Valerie Contessa, yeah, is like potentially like a scroll. Like so, I think that Contessa is going to be got to be a human. I'll be so mad if she's a scroll <laughs> because, because she just is like a perfect embodiment of the so American we, government. Yeah, like, who's the scroll? Because there's got to be who's one the scroll right now? Who's a scroll? Oh, the At president least one. because they got um uh what's his face? Why can't I think of the, the oh the well um well. I think that the big casting they did recently was recasting Harrison Ford as Thunderbolt Ross. So that to me says he's probably going to be a scroll because otherwise I would have been like, just let him be dead or just have <laughs> right up. Also, your 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 scroll theory that you brought up on the podcast is my favorite one, which is Maria Hill because yeah, I think right. that I think is such a safe bet for them. I don't. I am always a fan of the Hawkeye as a scroll theory because I hate Hawkeye, not Kate Bishop. <laughs> Kate, Kate Bishop is Kate Bishop is great. You know, I love Kate Bishop. But um, I was always saying that, that Jem- Jeremy Renner is a scroll. But I don't know. You know, Feige's spoken a lot about it being a small-scale story, which I think kind of helps them avoid the connectivity issue. Yep. Oh, oh, it's intimate. It's a spy story. Yeah, it's yeah. this. So I don't know if they're going to go big with the scrolls. So I think it's more likely that it's these high-in-power in-government mm. people who are going to be the scrolls rather than, say you know, Spider-Man. They have to give us one or two, like, folks we've been following. I got got one more. (gasps) I got one more. Kingpin. Oh! And that's why he's super-powered now. And why he didn't die. Oh! I love that. Dermot Mulroney, who you might know as Russell from New Girl. I love Dermot Mulroney. He's playing the president. Oh my goodness. He's I definitely a scroll. Yeah. Yeah. That, that man man is German Mulroney and not turn him into an alien. <laughs> that like, man, I, I seen him. He's a, that's a man who looks like he's playing a scroll. Yeah. Anyone else uh, would like to step up, take the mic, and ask and a question, ask or, question or, or put thing. forward a theory? Yes. And feel free, if you want, you can like queue up in the middle if you want so it's easier. You don't What's up? Hello. <laughs> Long time listener. And, uh, uh, introduce yourself. Uh, Nick. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be on the podcast. You're gonna, we got to get your name on the podcast. We got to get it on the record. Nick's got a dope Snorlax necklace on. This is, this is Thank amazing. You. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. So what I'm wondering is, we're talking about, we, we just had phase four. We're looking at five and six. What do you think will not show up? What do you think is maybe too weird or too much of a push for them that they just can't fit it in? For phases five and six? Yes. I don't think we're getting the X-Men. Yeah, yes. I think X-Men. I think that's it. About. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Who I, do, I'm trying to think of, like, who does it feel like they might be teeing up, but there's a slim chance they actually I think, show up. you know what? This is going to make me feel sad because I don't want this to be true. But I think that I don't think we're going to see Galactus in the Silver Surfer until, like, we get to the X-Men era. I'm because, okay with that. Uh, no, I love Galactus and I love the Silver Surfer. I... I think I had rumors they were going to do a Silver Surfer special presentation, which I think makes a lot of sense. Like a, a Norum Rad, like, but I think that when the Fantastic Four come in, which is going to be in this phase five and six, I think we'll get Doom. I think that's going to be your big focus. Ooh. You do the big Doom. Oh. So it's so you stay away from the more cosmic aspects mm-hmm. and you just focus on that, that it's, main villain. It's one of the last 
major secret societies that we have to uncover yeah. is like Doom and its people. It makes sense that before the end of Phase 6, we get Doom. Also, Doom has so much stuff going on with Wakanda, and now the Talkan's kind of yeah. involved. Like, Yeah, Namor, Doom, T'Challa, that's like a trio, mm-hmm, you know, so... Mm-hmm. So and I'm I, ready for it. I just need a I just need a, a heartfelt you dare from <laughs> Where would you like to see Doom introduced? Like whose movie, what heroes? I, I still think I think there is a version. I believe that there's a version of Wakanda Forever that had a second that was meant to have a second uh, stinger that would have been Doom. That was, I think that would have been the original version of Wakanda Forever oh. before we lost Chadwick, tragically. Oh, I would have loved that. that because it makes Doom's now terrified Doom. that like all these other societies it, have come out. And I think like you can have this idea that Doom is the Machiavellian puppet master. And but I, I love the way they did it. But I I now I I'm not really sure where Doom will show up. I mean, I still think that where Moon Knight was was Latveria mm-hmm. in in the in the mm-hmm. show when he mm-hmm. went to the place that looked directly like a drawing from a from a Fantastic Four comic. But yeah, Jason, where would you want Doom to show up? Because I think that's a big question going forward. Somewhere in our uh, our conflicts with Kang over the next phase, I yeah. think we will. That seems to me like the most obvious place to introduce I it. I love that. Um, I love a Doom Doctor Strange team up. Yeah. Oh, mm. that's one of the best. Well, ever. that would make a lot of sense with Doctor Strange and Clea now being out there in the kind mm, yeah. of universe, in the multiverse. That's not going to be hard for them to join that to the quantum realm. And yeah, I mean, we didn't even really get into that, but I think you're right. Kang, the connection to Reed and Reed's family, it would make a lot of sense to have Kang and Doom. It would actually be pretty cool to introduce both those major villains before you even got to ever meet the Fantastic Four. I think there's a world, too, where, you know, we've been talking a lot about the most recent Secret Wars in which you know, Doom kind of recreates... God Emperor Doom. God Emperor Doom recreates his version of the universe uh, that he controls. You know, this is absolutely like a crackpot theory, but... The best kind. The best kind. But there's also a world, I think, where you're right, where Doom already exists. They they introduce him before the Fantastic Four. and And the MCU that we're seeing right now is... The universe controlled by Doom. Oh, I love that. I hope they do that. That's Whoa. really great. Whoa. Well, it would also, that gives you a lot of great narrative gouts. Why don't things feel as connected anymore? Why did phase four feel so different? Oh, it's because there's this one person controlling it who's making all these different things happen at the same time to get to this. I love that. Uh, anyone else? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I was like, is it long enough to just sit back down? Hey. Hello. Hi. How What's are up, you? Boy? How you feel? I'm feeling good. How are you? Good oh, to see great, you. man. Introduce good yourself, you. please. Here. Okay. <laughs> you know who I am. I put for people. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, on Secret Wars, uh, I feel like my job here is just mess up your whole program. Okay. Right? Good. Um, you, you you didn't say a name that I think is very important to say when you speak of the Secret Wars. Uh, and especially because they recently brought him back in the Defenders, in the new Defenders. Uh, they're using different cast of characters, uh, the Beyonder. Oh. Yeah. So I think that that's where they're going. Because you were talking about how they see yeah, in the I, comics. Yeah. So. I, the Beyonder would be amazing. I mean, we were talking about, I think when we were... We were really deep in the... It's been a year of theories, right? Because of the, there's been yeah. so much stuff on the TV. Look, I know you're sick of hearing it. I apologize for Mephisto. 
That was my fault. <laughs> I, I'm sorry about it, okay? I, I, I wish I could take back the damage that I have done. I'm sorry. But, but because of that, we have talked so much. I, we were all about the beyond the... We, I think it was when No Way Home was coming out and we were like, who is behind this crazy, like multiverse thing that's happening at the end where all these universes are coming together. We didn't, we hadn't seen the movie, we were theorizing. And The Beyonder was one of our go-to touch points. I think that is bang on. And I think that is the weirdness that we give us can a, give expect. Us a quick, quick download on The on the Beyonder for those not versed in, in the I'm like, original Secret Wars are kind of parachute pant wearing <laughs> uh, <laughs> mullet Perm. No, no, you're the, you're the beyond that. Go for it. Go I mean, for yeah, it. he's just, he's, uh, you know, a very, very bored. <laughs> this guy <laughs> is bored. Omniscient super being <laughs> who uh, becomes fixated on Earth and, you know, as, as this kind of gathering point for incredible heroes that have uh, numerous times, you know, staved off. Uh, not just threats to their own world, but threats to the galaxy, threats to the universe, and he becomes enamored with them, and he decides to know more about Earth people, and so he takes the it takes the form of like a human with like a, a like a perm mullet and Style-y. a white like a white. I hope they keep suit. the mullet. Yeah, and he just decides I'm gonna gather up all the superheroes. I'm gonna make them fight, uh, which you know, great idea. Honestly. Okay, okay. What about <laughs> so, this? That is absolutely the truth. And what if you did? So look, I love the Beyonder. I think they don't do enough like weird human alter egos for these characters. I would love to see that. What if they did like a Kumite special presentation and it's just the Beyonder getting like low level heroes that we've met in like She-Hulk and stuff to fight. Because they're never going to let us do it with the main heroes. But what if the Beyonder like the first people Let's be careful because I want that to be the next Shang. Let's be careful because I want that to be the next Shang-Chi movie. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's a great call actually. Incredible. Well, imagine if the be. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, you know, we get Danny Rand gets brought in. They beat up that that Danny Rand, and then we learn who the real Iron Fist warriors. Obviously, it's Colleen. We've already seen her. That we know who it is. Or, you know, uh, the many Iron Fists that they obviously introduced in Shang-Chi but just didn't say they were Iron Fists. (laughs) No, I love that idea. Imagine if the Beyonder in Shang-Chi too, you know, if he uh, Shang-Chi too Kumite. Uh, <laughs> if he he's just like a fight promoter who's like I'm putting, I heard about these underground fight rings and you learn that that's what it is and that could lead to secret wars because we also don't actually know what's going to lead there and I think yeah. that's the funniest thing so I think the Beyonder is a a massive that's going to be the weirdness we do get in five and six and also I think that that could also we could see him sooner in quantum realm. I think that that is a, a a name we could start to hear almost like Thanos before we hear. But yeah, Shang-Chi Kumite, I, I dream of that. Love it. Anyone Anyone else? Any other questions? Any theories? Oh, I see, Any I see you, Dorian. You can yeah, say you it, can I'll just, repeat it just, into a mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Dorian, founder of Geeks of Color, has asked Icon. us, uh, what do we think about the tweet that occurred from a fan account that is Ms. Minutes that then interacted with who did interact with? So Dead oh, it was it was a Miss Minutes Deadpool. account that interacted with Deadpool and people were like, okay, does this mean Deadpool's gonna be in Loki too? But interacted with Ryan's direct account. Right? Yeah, and it was yes. like the official like Deadpool. There was a oh, okay, lot okay. of it became a very big like, oh, this feels like 
you know, Ryan Reynolds' social media is never a coincidence. Never. Those the, the, choices. The, 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 the very, like, <laughs> casual, oh, we're just, we just threw together a Deadpool trailer. Look at this. Well, uh, I will say. That, that is, the, it's all according yeah. to a very specific plan. The one thing that we didn't talk about that I think is very key to what's going forward is Deadpool as a tool to basically connect to and yeah. destroy the Fox universe. Mm-hmm. So I would not be surprised if Loki with the TVA. I mean, I just thought of this the other day after seeing that tweet. But I was like, what if the TVA just hired Deadpool to kill all of the people in the Fox universe? I am undone. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> they were like, they were like, we don't, we don't. They were like, we don't have enough people. We don't have enough TVA guards. Oh like, God. we're just, just, and that's your R-rated Deadpool movie. And De- Deadpool kills the Fox universe, you know, because they can't, they don't have enough people to, to cut all the streams anymore, you know? So I was like, I, I think it could happen. More likely, what's it going to be? Probably going to be like a Deadpool mask on one of the TVA, mm. you know, um, uh, desks. But that's I like your idea. That's honestly so good. Right? I'm like, fine, <laughs> just hire me. I'll write it. They're so good at like montages too in the Deadpool universe. And like, I could just imagine like, Beast dying, devastating. But when he gets to the Phoenix, like, how does Deadpool take out the Phoenix? Like, that would just be fun. And yeah, also, they would like, de- they so creative. Deadpool with the Phoenix Force. Like, also, oh my God. can I just say? Oh, that would be the de- Look, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> please, God, no. No. <laughs> I'm saying, look, do you know who would be really, really useful if you were trying to kill a bunch of really powerful mutants? Wolverine, who Deadpool's yes. going to be in this third, you know, the R-rated movie with. How do you get Wolverine to go along with killing all of his ex so, Just be like, just be like, oh, the universe, fate of the universe depends well, I mean, on like, it. You, uh, do, you do it every way they, they always do yeah. it, which is you trick them into killing hey, everybody. No. Um, these are not like, real. You make them hallucinate. These, these are actually, uh, they're actually people sent here to kill... Uh, Kill Laura Kinney. You better just kill him all. It works every single time. Sorry, those are your friends. All of his friends. Oh my word! The 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 road trip, the R-rated road trip movie. No one is expecting. It's just them just murdering everyone. But I I think that I don't think it's ever a coincidence. I think they're very on top of all that. And they and and even if it was just fun, they they want people to talk about it. They want people to ask about it and talk about it and stuff like this because that's what makes people excited. It's the same way with a comic. We used to finish the comic and you knew the next one wasn't coming out till the next week and you're talking to your friends, oh, what's going to happen? Who's it going to be? And that's just what we do now with these movies, you know? Well, I think the cool thing about Deadpool and, and you kind of hit on a really fun thing about him that they do in the comics, which is he's essentially his healing factor makes him basically immortal. Yeah. You could have him survive, you know, the collapse of the multiverses. Like, he's still alive somehow. You could have, how would he fight he's Phoenix? He's just chilling in he a like, infinite chances <laughs> to fight Phoenix because he just can't, can't freaking kill It's him. just like, one movie. Yeah. <laughs> just him like, trying to kill the Phoenix. A piece of his skull left. Like, he's still going yeah. somehow. So I think that there are a lot of interesting implications once they bring... Once they bring Deadpool into the universe. I hope he never gets the Phoenix for Jesus Christ. God. <laughs> Ian, don't, don't make it happen, guys. I'm sorry. I jinxed it. <laughs> Are there any other questions? This is Rosie jumping in because one of our rad audience members asked whether or not we think they'll recast young T'Challa, who we met in the stinger of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. As in Prince T'Challa. This, yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. I believe there is something about the MCU 
I won't get into the political ramifications of the strange heteronormativity that they're obsessed with at the moment, but they, <laughs> they're loving to make people parents. Mm-hmm. And in the comics, and it, they're, they're, the kids are not often direct legacy heroes, but that seems to be where they're going with mm-hmm. this. Thor has a kid now. You know, uh, Wanda's kids, obviously. Jeremy Renner has kids. Uh, we now see that as in the comics, he's called Azari, but yeah. in the movie, you know, Scott's they, kids. We Scott's got kids who, and we know that Cassie's gonna be stacked. Well, Stinger in the next movie. So I think that absolutely, we're gonna get another time jump. We're gonna see that kid, and I think so. There was this. Uh, there's like a movie that I go back to a lot ever since the Thor's daughter was introduced, um, called Next Avengers. And that was about all the kids of the Avengers. It was like an animated movie. You think they would never draw from that, but it's literally about all these kids of the Avengers. I think that we are going to see many different teams, and I think we might get that next Avengers team before our more classical young mm-hmm. Avengers, which for some reason they are just holding off of, and nobody knows why. <laughs> I hope they don't recast. Here's why: I think it's really interesting. We don't. We have so many like tweens to like young adults mm-hmm. right oh, now. Oh, so you'd love to, to see us. him be like. He found the cutest kid. Don't fuck it up. Just keep it. Like he's, I like he's that. adorable. If he could act, you have time to train him to do all the action stuff. Like and next Avengers as well. They are all like ten. So yeah. I think you could have that combination of the older team and the younger team. And totally, totally. I, I, he is very cute. Yeah, and I like the variety of ages because I, I think what we're getting for Marvel now is like. Before it was like here are all the popular genres that appeal to the most people and will apply it across our cinematic landscape. Now. I feel like we're like, how niche can we go? And what can we give to, like, children, young adults, adults, older people? Like, I I feel like there's space enough that, you know, we could get a movie that's for, like, grade school kids. I do actually think that the the introduction of Love, Thor's daughter, Mm -hmm. she is, like, seven. Mm -hmm. And she's, like, this omnipotent, super-powered kind of god. (laughs) There's no reason that if Azari took a version of the heart-shaped herb mm-hmm. or, or had a super suit that he couldn't be a small part of a team. Let's be real. In comics, kids have always been strange sidekicks in a very irresponsible way. Robin. Yes. You yep. know, Batman. Yep. Yep. He adopts <laughs> a thousand children and just turns mm-hmm. them into his little, like, bodyguards. So I, I, I like that. I, I like that read. I'm, I would like to see it. I, would, I, I like the idea that we could maybe see non-animated superhero content for actual kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and again... Mm-hmm. Could be in an academy, some kind of Avengers Academy or Strange Academy mm-hmm. or something. Give cool them a like special. That. I'm here for it. Well, as we come to a close, uh, not just for this panel, but <gasps> for the year. The R.I.P. to the longest year. Everlasting year 2022. It's so long. I know. Let's <laughs> uh I I'd love to hear from the panel what their favorite thing from 2022 was. Joelle, you want to start? I'm starting with you. <laughs> okay. No pressure. Um it's two things. Okay. Okay, but I'll make them quick. Game of Thrones is back, y'all. How lucky are we? Uh, I missed Sunday Dragon was really appointment good. television. I missed um, Deep Theory Corner with yeah. my friends. I missed, like, falling out of a chair. Every birth scene, I stood up and walked away and then came back and yeah. then walked mm-hmm. away and then screamed and then texted my parents. I'm like, are you watching? Do you see what's happening? Um, I loved, I love this, like, level of TV where it's like you have to wait and you're going to be engaging online. I miss going to Twitter and just talking to people like reacting as things are happening and it brought it back for me in a really great way. I never imagined it would have like two of the best female leads. Uh, Lead characters. For both versions. I was not sure how I would feel about it when it came back Mm -hmm. but Rhaenyra you know that 
duo yes. of Rhaenyra and Alison and the two people. And then the fact that the actors who play them are so charming. I just, mm-hmm. I'm so invested and I just, I will follow them anywhere, even throughout the bits of the show where I'm like, yeah, like you said, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what was your second one? <sighs> of course I've forgotten now, but, oh no, no, here it is, here it is. We got my Batman on screen. Now there are very many versions of Batman and none of them is wrong unless he's holding a gun. I'm sorry, that's my opinion. Um, (laughs) But to get angsty- Damn you, Frank Miller. (laughs) (laughs) I hate Batman with a gun. Why is it How dare you? So stupid. Um, But I love angsty- I'm not quite sure what's happening, but I'm going to try really, really hard, oh, but I'm still That movie is so good. Because I have haven't been doing this for long enough to actually yeah, two be a years. detective. I, he, I mean, it's literally what would happen if a billionaire decided he was going to be a detective. He would fuck up a lot. <laughs> he would not <laughs> he know would, how he to would conduct himself. He would stack into a train, into a train bridge and hit on the floor with his parachute, yeah. But the hits felt good. I loved the, like, sort of, like, militarized costuming that had nothing to really to do with, like, a military-industrial complex, but it just felt like... It felt like proper gear. Um, and I love that he's just awkward around Catwoman. Like all of it oh, yeah. really, really It was Robert Pattinson was, was so great. I, and then I they got them an actual city that you like felt alive again on screen. And as much as I love seeing my city, Chicago, play for Gotham, I think Gotham needs to feel unique. And for them to be like, okay, we'll take a little bit of New York, a it little feels, bit of Pittsburgh, It needs to feel almost cartoony. That's like yes. the version that we want. You yeah, know? yeah. So I, I really loved it. I'm excited for the Penguin series next year. Um, I'm not holding out like a, I'm not holding my breath for it, but I it could be great, you know. I don't. Colin know. Farrell was really good. He was so good, yeah. and so you know, I, I want more of this. I wish we could have Batgirl, but you know, yeah, I'll take what I can get. Mm-hmm. Rosie, uh, I was that was gonna be my. I remember that this year has been twelve months long answer because <laughs> I couldn't believe the Batman came out. But seeing as you said it, and it was great. My favorite thing of 2022. Um, I'm sure there's lots of other ones that I'm forgetting, but this one is very recent, so recency bias. I uh, was lucky enough to watch all of Willow, the new series. Apart from from the finale, apart from the finale. But I would say I love the movie. It was one of my favorite movies. Uh, My incredible friend, Io, actually made me a shirt of Willow because I love it so much. Um, The new series is so cute. It has Erin Kellyman from Star Wars and the MCU, who's always getting terribly underwritten parts that don't, do her justice and she gets a brilliant role in this. Uh, you know, Warwick Davis just does the best, exactly what you wanted Warwick Davis performance. <laughs> it's really cozy. It's cute fantasy. So that's one of my favorite things from 2022. And the first two episodes are out now and you can watch the original movie, which is like super weird and scary. <laughs> uh, mine is House of the Dragon. I think it was, uh, is, I'm just going to, I have to, I, uh, contractually I obliged. Have to say, uh, <laughs> it was, it was just great to get back in no, the world was, and the fact was. that the conversation was back and it, how soapy and again, as a lover of mess, the oh mess God, was there, messy. baby. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, George R. R. Martin released another project this year yeah, and did. it is, it's Elden Ring. And I think that's my favorite thing of 2022. It just, Elden Ring had a grip on my life. <laughs> in a chokehold. It absolute chokehold. <laughs> <laughs> rear naked chokehold. Um, How's it going, Jason? Oh, num- 75 hours in. <laughs> for like hours and hours and hours and weeks and weeks and weeks. It had just, you know, I just love walking around in a world yeah. and exploring it and, and you know, discovering enemies to fight and different hidden secrets. And that 
you know, Breath of the Wild gave that to me, and Elden Ring was the first game since Breath of the Wild to really yeah. feel like, holy shit, I this, love this is a, lot. It's <laughs> a so massive good. continent. It's a massive world. The game was absolutely bullshit for a lot of the, of the time <laughs> I was playing it. Like, you're just, like, running from everything. But beautiful, incredible, mysterious, a sense of adventure. I absolutely loved it. Yay. And yeah. that's it. And thank you all. Uh, we love you for, yeah, for attending this live uh, taping and of the X-ray to the show. And thank you so much. Yeah. Enjoy your Comic Con. Oh. And also, we have um, a bunch of like t shirts and tote bags and stuff to give away. So if you want, feel free to like, we'll be outside because I think they want to get to the next, uh, next panel. But yeah. Thank, thank you, you all. so much. Have a great yes. weekend. Big thank you to Joelle Monique, Cody Ziegler, and of course, Rosie Knight for joining us on X-Ray Vision. If you want to see more of Joelle's work, check out her social media at Joelle Monique. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, follow at XRVPod on Twitter, and check out the Discord to meet and hang with tons of amazing fans and listeners, plus Rosie and myself. Another reminder, we'll be off next week in the first week of January. Starting January 11th, we'll be releasing new episodes of X-Ray Vision every Wednesday and Friday. That's twice the deep dives we were rights and nerding out per week. In the meantime, have a wonderful holiday and a happy new year. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time, folks. 